I know what it is to be vulnerable from being in trouble, and when someone has problems, I like to figure out if I can help them. I don't want to be a total do-gooder. My investors deserve to get paid. You know, they put in a, a million dollars with me, and they want to make their eighty thousand a year. They don't want me calling and saying, "Hey, everyone's in trouble. I can only send you forty thousand. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. One quick thing before we jump into the episode. We've recently put out a resource that I think you will find valuable. We all know the best learning lessons come from our mistakes, but what's even better than that is to learn those lessons from other people's mistakes. In our latest video series, I share some major missteps I've made as a real estate investor and how you can avoid falling into the same traps. To learn how to avoid these mistakes and save yourself time and money, go to upstreaminvestor.com forward slash mistake to find our latest video series. Once again, that's upstreaminvestor.com forward slash mistake. All right. Today, my guest is Joel Friedland. He is a seasoned real estate professional with over 43 years of experience in the industrial sector. And today we're going to learn about the importance of becoming the expert in your niche, whatever that may be, why investors should keep the main thing, the main thing, the conservative approach that has paid dividends in times of volatility for Joel and his investors. And we'll gaze into the crystal ball and get Joel's outlook on the industrial sector as we move into 2024. All right, the time has come. I hope you enjoy this episode with Joel Friedland. All right, Joel, you know, shortly after college, you began your real estate career, initially looking to become a property manager, but then assumed a role on the brokerage side. This was followed by a stint as a developer and then ultimately a lead investor. Through the experiences you had in those different roles, what did you learn about yourself and the direction you wanted or didn't want to take your business? Sure, well, initially... I thought it was all about the deal. And now I realize it's all about the relationships with everybody involved, whether it's an investor, whether it's a tenant uh, or, or employees in the company. So what I'm really struggling with right now is how can I be a better leader? And <laughs> that takes a lot of a lot of thinking and a lot of work. Yeah. So how have you been able to work through that? You know, being a better leader, obviously you've, you've had a lot of experience in different roles, right? And that's, I'm sure that's accumulated a lot of knowledge and experience to get you to this point right now. But what do you, what do you focus on as to become a better leader? Is it communication? What does that look like for you in a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. You know, it's mostly having really good judgment and being kind. I, I used to be kind of, I had a partner years ago who used to say, do you think people who are not tough in business can be successful. And I said, yeah, I think they can. He says, I don't think so. I think you have to be a mother. And I said, <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't believe that. I think that you can be a kind person and be thoughtful and be successful. And he and I ended up getting in a fight because he wasn't kind and he wasn't, um, he wasn't a giver and he wasn't a forgiver. He didn't let anything go. And um, it was tough. And I, I look for people today that are uh, interested in building relationships for the long term and who treat people in a certain way. I'm, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. And in the whole concept of vulnerability 
as the way to lead as opposed to with cockiness. Sure. And that's how I start with my investors. I start out with my toughest times, not my greatest times. And I want them to know where I came from and why uh, I take the positions I do, which have to do with some really difficult struggles with some, um, you know, mental health stuff, ups and downs mood wise. Yeah. I mean, I definitely understand that. You know, I've been through that myself and, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's a, it's a constant battle, right? You always got to kind of remind yourself to come out of it and be, be the best you can and all that stuff. So it's a constant battle. So I, I can appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about some of those challenge uh, challenges, but I kind of want to ask before we get into that, you know, your experience, you started right after college in the industrial sector, which you still do today. What is it about the industrial real estate that has kept you focused on that one asset class for all these years? So I got into it accidentally because right out of college, I went to work for a family that I met incidentally and they hired me and they owned 84 industrial buildings. So they said, come on, kid, we're going to teach you the industrial business. And I had uh, four mentors at that company. Their last name was Podolsky and Steve Podolsky, who still invests with me today in his 70s, was my original lead mentor when I was 22 years old. Wow. And what I learned about industrial from them and by doing it for 42 years is that industrial real estate is the backbone of industry in the world. There are industrial buildings in every town. There's an industrial drive if it's an old city. And if it's not, they have different names, like the names of the developer's children, like Marcy Lane and things like that. But these buildings that we buy are uh, little. They're small. They're not those monster buildings you see on the side of the tollway that Amazon is in. We do class B and class C, older, smaller buildings. And our tenants are mostly manufacturers. They make products because everything in the world that exists other than the earth and the trees and nature was made in an industrial building or distributed from an industrial building. So, you know, you look around your office, I'm looking at your microphone. That has about I'd say a hundred components in it and every one of them was made in an industrial building somewhere, mm-hmm. including the final putting together of the microphone and the packaging and the packaging. Also the, the cardboard box that it came in, uh, any of the plastic wrapped around it, any of the printed material printers, everything is made or printed or created in an industrial building. So I love it because every tenant is different. Unlike multifamily, which I also love, uh, you go to a multifamily building and you either have a single person, a couple or a family. It's pretty much the same. I walk into an industrial building and I see what they're doing and I say, wait a minute, what? You make what? And so one of our tenants makes, get this one, the exhibits that go into children's museums around the world. Really? Yeah. It's a wood shop. They have wood, they have metal, they have welding. And they've got these artisans taking these designs and they make trains and they make little interactive climb through it things for the kids. And then right down the street, (laughs) there's an industrial company and they make uh, safety products for the welding industry. Okay. You know that if you look directly at the flame when someone's welding, it it actually burns something inside your eye. So there are screens that are made. They, they have these these screens that are built into a metal frame, and usually they're like a dark blue or dark mm-hmm. red. The company down the street from the uh, company that makes uh, exhibits for children's museums makes these safety products. For- really? Yeah, and we own both buildings. 
and we own them with no mortgages. Wow. Yeah. We syndicated the deals and people came in and said, can I get an 8% return yield plus upside with no mortgage? And our answer was yes. And a bunch of people, even yesterday, two, two emails came into me. I don't like your deals. They're not sexy enough. <laughs> You've got no debt. We want a bigger hit faster. And we just do these long-term deals that we hang on to and we have tenants that stay for decades. It's fantastic. It's it's a beautiful thing, right? Especially in times of volatility, which some consider to be what we're going through right now, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, you gotta you gotta keep uh, keep your eye on the prize there. And I definitely want to touch into some of your some of your strategies. But before we do that, you know, we hear a lot about the power of discipline and focus. And in a world of distractions and shiny shiny objects, especially for investors today, right? Because you know, there's all sorts of stuff investors can jump into. Um, how do you think your decision to put Basically, all of your efforts and focus into one type of real estate has contributed to your success up to today. Well, I just went to the doctor today and uh, I have a hernia. Mm. Men get these hernias right in the little crease. In the Not crotch. good. Yeah. So I've had it for a little while and I decided finally to go to the surgeon. So Dr. John Lynn, I go to his office and he's in this beautiful complex uh, called the Glenbrook Medical Center right here in Chicago. It's a suburb uh, called Northbrook or Glenview. And uh, I sat with him and he talked to me for a while and then he looked at it and he touched it and he figured it out. And he said, okay, I don't know if you know this, but you don't just have one, you have one on the other side too. So oh, he, wow. he was, he's really good at what he does. And a friend of mine used him two weeks ago for a hernia operation. And my friend was better in three days. He didn't die. And also, um, I knew someone else that went to him. And so I decided I have to go to this guy and we're talking today. He teaches other doctors how to do hernia surgeries. He is so tuned in. And when I left there, I felt so comfortable because this guy is laser focused on one thing that he's done for a long time. And he just is so good at it. He's so experienced at it that I trust him. I'm trusting him with my life. This is what we do as far as focusing on just industrial and just Chicago. I want to be better than anybody in helping investors get into a deal that is safe, that we know the market, we understand the ups and downs, we understand the highways, we understand the natural resources, the, the trucking lanes, and everything about the cost of the buildings, the value of the buildings. So it's very much like the doctor thing. It's a metaphor for me. I want to do one thing over and over and over. We have investors with us in 10 buildings in the city of Chicago. One's 100,000 feet, but the others are all under 40,000 square feet. They're probably, the average value is probably about 4 million each. And I can't imagine how uncomfortable I would be at my age of 64, trying something I've never done before and bringing in a group of investors into something I know nothing about. Maybe when you're younger, you can screw around with <laughs> things and learning and make mistakes and maybe get rich. Sure. My people are not looking to get rich. They're looking to not lose the wealth that they have. And that's so important, right? I mean, especially, you know, again, what we're going through today. I mean, that's really capital preservation, stuff like that. These are things that are top of mind of most investors right now. And, you know, as a passive investor myself, 
you know, hearing you say that, this is exactly what I hear want to hear for a syndicator that I want to invest with, right? I want them to have a competitive advantage. It's not only just the 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 niche or you know the the product that they're investing in or they're buying, right? But it's also the market down to the street, uh, everything, right? And just really target, focus on that one thing and being the best at it. So for me, as a passive investor, I love to hear that, right? That's exactly what I want to hear. So uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I just uh, you and I talked about it earlier. I just put together a syndication. We bought four buildings in a little pocket in Chicago in a place called Bricktown, which is surrounded by this great area called Lakeview and another area called Roscoe Village. And it's a little area where there's all industrial buildings and they're along the Chicago. And two of the tenants are in the same business. They make fruit juice concentrate. One mm -hmm. of the tenants is called Tampico. It's a sure. very famous international brand. Mm -hmm. And they actually make this stuff in the building. And it's like goop, it's, it's goop. And it's a great business. And they're owned by a $4 billion company that owns 500 other companies. Wow. So we, we're comfortable with who they are. But we bought that property knowing that because of the 1,200 feet of frontage on the river, that maybe in seven or 10 years, it's going to be a residential redevelopment. Mm. We got into it at a price per square foot. If you just were to take the buildings down and look at the land, $59 a foot and residential property, not too far away is selling for $130. So if we were to actually sell this to a residential developer to build condos on the river with a little water feature, I think we would double everybody's money. And in the meantime, we're making them a 7% return starting and it goes up there's escalations in our leases every year but there's risk there's always risk nothing is that simple always risk right you're absolutely right but you know as you mentioned before this is something uh, kind of a part of your strategy uh, which i you know i spent an extensive amount of time on your website earlier um this week and um i found you know you guys in terms of your um acquisition strategy you guys buy with low to no debt right and so um that has to do with risk mitigation as well. Talk to us a little bit about that and what steered you toward that strategy. Yeah, so um, I'm going to tell you something really personal. I'm in a 12-step program, mm. and I believe that there are a lot of people who need one. I needed it. And you work on your character flaws. The, the program is not so much about stopping drinking or stopping the drugs or stopping the gambling or whatever it is that you did. It's really, how do you become a better person? And my whole focus right now is on sort of self-development type sure. stuff. It's really important to me. And I looked at the character traits that are all the negative ones. I, I, I was working on this uh, over the weekend and there's some really bad character traits. And then there's some really great character traits. And the, the concept that I'm working on is real estate is my vehicle. But being spiritual and being a family man and being good to my friends and having good judgment, those kinds of things matter to me more than anything. Right. So it doesn't matter what the real estate deal is. If I feel shame, ashamed of something that I did or remorseful. So the whole idea is to do something that we're grateful that we were able to do not something that we feel sad that we made a mistake and shouldn't have done it. So we buy the properties the way we do, because really the reason I, I came into the program I was in was because I was in a depression because I felt like I had really made some big um, personal mistakes. Okay. 
I, I was in a in a very bad as I told you my partner was rough uh, I was in a in a bad situation my brother and I uh, were at odds with each other we were business partners and fortunately since then with a lot of work we're really patching it but I was in a depression I I had in 2008, I had 50 buildings worth $200 million. And I thought that with all the debt we had and all the risk we took, that I was going to lose everything and that my investors were going to hate me and not respect me. And I worked really hard to bring it back. But I was in a deep, dark depression hole for a period of time. And it wasn't just a few months. It was a long time. And it required meditation, medication, counseling, a program. And I came out the other end and I said, I don't have the tolerance for losing people's money. I don't have the tolerance for being ashamed of my decisions. I'm going to do things that are safe. So this all cash, no mortgage thing, and sometimes a very small mortgage when when the deal really allows it, so to speak. Um, I'm, I'm really looking at things from a different standpoint than how to build wealth. I'm looking at it from how to just live a better life and help people keep their wealth and make a good return and feel safe. You know, and I appreciate you sharing that story and getting a little personal there. I I really do appreciate that. And I think it's it's extremely important to to be who you are, right? You have these foundational values that you want to have for yourself, but that you also want to permeate through your business and everything else, right? And I think uh, living true to that is extremely important. And I know that investors probably appreciate that as well, right? And so uh, I love that strategy. And I, I think I was looking on your website and you said, uh, I think the I think it said, correct me if I'm wrong, the max LTV you guys usually uh, hit is 30%, which is incredibly low uh, for, yeah. for most syndicators. So um that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. We, we have a lot of buildings with no debt and we have some of the older buildings we've had for a long time. Our average loan to value on those is about 16%. Wow. So if we have a $3 million building, we might have a half a million dollar mortgage. Incredible. And yeah. that's, that's truly incredible. So, so with that in mind, you know, all this interest rate hiking that's been happening, you know, recently and all that stuff, uh, has your conservative approach paid dividends during these times? Yeah, yeah, it's been lucky for us. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, people come to us and they say, "I got these other deals where they stopped paying their distributions. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you going to do?" And our answer is, "Well, we keep paying because we don't owe the bank anything, so <laughs> we'll pay you instead of the bank." And so the distributions continue, and that's really fortunate. And if a tenant gets in trouble, I can go make a deal with them. And be able to afford to treat them well and get paid back on the back end when they recover. I've done that two or three times in the last, I don't know, maybe five years. We've had tenants who they call us. We have great communication. Again, relationships are everything and relationships, even with the tenants. I like to know them really well. We, all, we only have 20 buildings. Okay. So, and most of them are freestanding single tenant buildings. So we only have 24 tenants. I know them all personally. And if someone calls me, it's like, hi, Pam, what's up? Oh, no, you didn't get paid on the big project. When's it coming in? Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Take take a month and pay us for the last two months next month. And I hang up and I tell one of my property managers, yeah, Pam's not going to pay this month. She's having a little problem. <laughs> and he says, wow, I've worked for other people. And I've never heard of anybody just being okay with it like that. <laughs> yeah. If she was really trouble a troublemaker, I would 
certainly not be that nice. I would be tougher. I'm not a chump. Sure. But I know what it is to be vulnerable from being in trouble. And when someone has problems, I like to figure out if I can help them. I don't want to be a total do-gooder. My investors deserve to get paid. You know, they put in a, a million dollars with me and they want to make their 80000 a year. They don't want me calling them and saying, hey, everyone's in trouble. I can only send you 40000 <laughs> that doesn't, that's not the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, I can appreciate that as an investor. Right. And I think that you're the, your ability to balance, you know, both this kind of, Hey, I'm running a business, but also, you know, Hey, we want to build a real relationship with these tenants because it's going to be a long relationship, hopefully. Right. I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I think a lot of people, uh, would be better for working on that, right? Where whatever relationship it is in their life, just that strategy right there, thinking about it with a long-term uh, focus, I think is is pretty incredible. So, you know, with that in mind, speaking of a long-term focus, if I had to ask you to gaze into your crystal ball, which I'm sure you have handy, um, how do you expect uh, industrial real estate to perform, perform over, let's say, the next year or two? I think it's going to do really well. I think the big buildings that are being built on a speculative basis by developers who have pension fund money that are looking for five and 6% returns. I think some of them are going to have a hard time because I think it's getting overbuilt. Mm-hmm. If, if, if a developer finds a piece of land and hooks up with a pension fund or an endowment from a university and they get $40 million, they're going to build it because if it doesn't work, they don't really lose much. They made a fee and they, they may lose a little, but it's probably not much more or much less than the fee that they already made. And if it works, they get a promote, they get an uneven distribution of the profit. So if it works, they could make on a $40 million deal, they can make 2 million. So if you can make 2 million or not lose anything, wouldn't you take the money? Yep. So I think that stuff is going to get overbuilt because the money's available and developers uh, don't call each other before they develop things across the street from each other. They just, they may be into two different villages that are separated by a tollway and one builds a million square feet and the other builds 700,000 square feet. And if the market isn't great, someone's going to not have a chair when the music stops in musical chairs. Right. But what we do, the, the B and C, the class B and C, they're not building more of them because there's no land near the city and near the airport where the, where the people, where companies want to be. You can go way out where there's a farm and you can build a new building, but a brand new 30,000 foot building would cost $220 a square foot out there, let's say in the town of St. Charles. If you were to, to buy a building where you want to be of the same size, let's say right in the city, right near downtown, it's about $130 a foot. So you save a hundred bucks a foot you go where you want to go and they're not building any more of them. So Mm. there's a constrained market in terms of supply, which is as Sam Zell always talked about it, it's always supply and demand and the supply is low and the demand is high because manufacturers and distributors love being close in where they have good labor and they have good access to amenities. And in addition to that, There's a lot of reshoring. That's where companies are used to make stuff in China. Mm -hmm. And now they're afraid to be there because of the political unsteadiness between the U.S. and China. They're bringing stuff back because during COVID, they saw what happens to the supply chain when a ship can't get here 
through the uh, canal, you know, the Panama mm-hmm. Canal. Right. So, or, or trucking or rail or whatever, they have to make stuff in North America. So it's coming back and the internet is not going to shrink. It's just going to grow. Right. So as stores go out and as deliveries get made and UPS and FedEx and the, the U.S. Postal Service deliver stuff, they have to deliver from somewhere. And that's an industrial building. By the way, we have the U.S. Postal Service as a tenant. And I'm saying this on a recorded line, this on a recorded thing that's going to be on the Internet forever. We have the U.S. Postal Service as a tenant. And it's hard to get paid rent. Mm. They actually are always late in calling us and saying, you know, we don't want to pay this or whatever. Or we just find out that they're confused and don't know where the money's coming from. Hmm. So you'd think they'd be a great tenant. Yeah. But they're not great. That's not for us. Yeah. 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 That true. building's that building's a 19,000 foot building five minutes from downtown. Wow. They can never leave. There's nowhere else for them to go. Wow. Really? Well, you know, with that in mind and what you said before too, as well, it really seems like you guys are in prime position to take advantage of the trends, right? I mean, you've already built the relationships, you got your BNC, you got your target really in focus, right? And so I think you guys are going to be well positioned uh, to move into the future and take more deals. And I know that just even from my brief research of your company beforehand, and then our conversation today, I'm definitely interested uh, because it sounds like a, a fantastic opportunity. But Joel, this has been a great conversation. How can the listeners find out more about you and what you have going on? Sure. Our website is BritProperties.com, B-R-I-T with one T. And my favorite thing on there is an article that talks about why you should not invest with us. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great. I love it. I love it. Listeners, if you're listening right now, go check out that article. Joel, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Danny. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.